Welcome back to the Most Illegal Podcast. For all you first-timers, the purpose of the show is to take a never-before-seen look behind the curtains of law firms and talk, laugh, maybe even cry with the people in the business of law. My name's Rob Joyner, VP of Sales and Marketing at Centerbase. And I'm Amanda Copeless. I'm the Executive Director for a mid-sized law firm in Central Florida. Law firm operations isn't just a career for me, it's a passion. And through that passion, I've met some amazing people, people who are now woven into the very fiber of my being. Today's two guests have been alongside me for almost my entire legal career. These two ground me, keep me sane, and as cliche as this may sound, I can honestly say I wouldn't be the person I am today without them. Tina Terrian and Chris Sims have a combined 35 years of experience in making law firms run efficiently and effectively, and I can't wait for them to share their insights with you. Let's jump in. Okay, to start out, can you guys introduce each other? I'll start. So I've known Chris now for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, Chris, something like that. Yeah. And uh, we've worked together for the last two and a half years at Perky Barber. Aside from the fact that Chris is sort of a a genius accountant, I think he has over 30 years of experience. He worked in hospitality for a long time before he joined the legal world. Um, He's been in legal for probably 20 of those years. He is a CPA. And yep, which is not, from what I understand, an easy uh, certification to acquire. And um, he's probably one of the hardest working, most conscientious people I've ever worked with. Aside from his uh, illustrious legal career, he is also like a world traveler and a culinary genius and a gardener and loves his husband and cats and and he's much more quiet and reserved and sophisticated than I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. He has, he has a little more tact than you and I are known to have. No, I'm just kidding. Tina, Tina, you were nicer than Amanda and I were to each other. Oh, for sure. On our introductions. Well, remember, you were really nice, Rob, and I wasn't at all prepared to be nice. And so yeah. all my notes were mean. And I'm like, oh, man. Well, I started to sit back when you were introducing me and you were saying all these nice things. And then you just came in and bombed me. It was like, <laughs> like no warning. It was like, bang, 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 like three or four in a row. Oh, but I wasn't prepared. I thought that was what we were going to be doing. So, all right. Sorry. We, we, we digress. Chris, do you want to introduce Tina? Sure. Well, I think I first know Tina as my friend. I have known her, like she said, for about 15 years. And we met through ALA. Uh, so that was an, uh, an awesome connection there. And that's how I met Amanda as well. But I know Tina more as a philanthropist uh, than a colleague. And she has helped all kinds of organizations here in Austin, from Mobileos and Fishes to the uh, Aid Services of Austin throughout her wonderful nonprofit career. And I came to work with Tina about two and a half years ago and at Perky Barber, and she's a super intelligent executive executive director for our firm. And she has certifications in human resources and a BA in psychology. But I think that that is less about Tina. She is a friend and a philanthropist at most and is awesome. 
it's funny because I agree completely. I always think of Tina as the nicest person I know. And no, not to you, Chris, but she is that person who literally gives the shirt off of her back. And I can't tell you how many times we've gone out to dinner and she collects all our to-go food. And I'm so excited <laughs> and waiting to take all this food home and like warm up my mashed potatoes and eat them in front of the couch, you know, in front of the TV later. And she's collecting them all and finding somebody who needs it more than we do. And we'll walk yeah. blocks out of our way until we find somebody. And I'm always like, God, Tina, you're such a better person than me. I mean, I really <laughs> wanted to reheat those mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna pull over on this side of the road, and you're gonna roll down your window. <laughs> what are, and you're gonna give what it away. One of the things that Chris and Tina and I used to do so much, it was like our thing, is there's a restaurant in Austin called Perry's. And on Fridays, they make these pork chops that are as big as your head. And you oh, I've had them here in Dallas. Okay. They're amazing. Make, they're amazing. And we would call yes. it. PPCF, Perry's Pork Chop Friday. And we would go all the time and we'd get these massive pork chops. And the funny thing is Tina won't eat any meat if it's on a bone. And (laughs) so so she would eat the pork chop, but they'd have to like split it apart. So the meat that comes on the bone would be off to the side. And it was great. But Chris and I would just plow through ours, like no shame. Here we go straight into our pork chop. And it never failed. We would not finish them because, again, they were as big as our head. And Chris would look at me and he'd go, man, these would make amazing pulled pork tacos in the morning. <laughs> but there's no way Tina's going to let me take this. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way she's letting me take this home. <laughs> and I always well, make them box it up very neatly and include, like, utensils and napkins because I don't want people to have to eat with their fingers on the street. So. <laughs> They should be given the dignity of eating out of a proper container with silverware. You are much better human than I am. <laughs> so, so since we know this podcast is all about Amanda and her friends. Uh, <laughs> That's not could, the point of it. <laughs> could you talk, Amanda, talk about how you met both Chris and, and Tina? So Chris and was already in the Association of Legal Administrators when I joined in 2005. And I've thought back about when we actually met, and I can't remember. So I kind of like to say Chris has just always been there my entire legal career. And we've done everything together. We've traveled all over. We have done things from stealing uh, candles in New Orleans to, <laughs> oh, I just outed us, which I still have. You sure did. Uh, both licensed uh, CPA here, so uh, maybe that should be edited out. <laughs> if you work at the W Hotel in New Orleans and you are missing a purple votive holder, please call Chris Sims because he has it. <laughs> And I gave it to Chrissy Easton. <laughs> she will die. Please don't do that. It was her um, recent birthday, so that's good. So, so Chris is also my go-to um, when I have like serious ac- accounting issues. Like, if I need to know how other firms are doing something, if I need to know the right way to do something, Chris will all always have the right way to do something. And it's so valuable to have that professional connection. But then also, again, we have a personal connection. And um, so that's how we know each other. Tina and I met 
briefly uh, during an ALA conference, but she was there with her, she was the HR manager, or HR director at a smaller firm, and she was there with her firm administrator. And so they were kind of doing their own thing and we met or whatever. And then Tina jumped into leading the business partner committee of our Austin chapter of the Association of Legal Administrators. And just like she does everything in life, she did it with full force. And I was on the committee prepared to just help lead this new chairperson along. And she just comes in like a whirlwind. And it was great. It was awesome. She had all these great ideas. But I met her and I thought, God, I love that girl. I'm going to be friends with her. <laughs> and <laughs> so after an episode, after a meeting one time, I pulled her aside and I said, Hey, um, can we be friends on Facebook? Because I like you and I want to do things, more things with you. And she's like, nah, not so much. <laughs> I said, but I want to be your friend. She's like, I'm not really friends with people that I work with or I'm connected to professionally. Yeah, Amanda, and, that sounds like opposite of what you tell me all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I give you that advice all the time. I tell you to stop yeah. being friends with people you work with. And so I, but th- I was a lot younger then. Um, 16 years ago, I was in my teens, so I didn't really know. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, right? (laughs) So anyways, I just kind of forced her to be my friend and we had, she also was responsible for me getting pregnant. I a hundred percent believe she was contagious when she hugged me at four months pregnant because I got pregnant like a month later. So our kids are the same age. And so we've traveled also together. We've rented beach houses and, but also she's my rock and she is also my moral compass. So if I want to know, just like with Chris, the right way to do something, Tina will give me the correct advice. And I don't always follow it, but she's my moral compass. She's my grounding. So I guess that's how we know each other. Did I leave anything out? Even um, better. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, Amanda really helped kind of break the mold for me. I had always sort of considered work very separate from sort of personal feelings and relationships. And I mean, she introduced me to ALA, which is, um, you know, such an incredible resource for all of us because it's so much more than just a professional relationship. Mm-hmm. So and, and Tina, that kind of segues into a, the next question I want to ask about. So at Perky Barber, um, you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have 35 attorneys. Yeah. We're up so, to, I think 38 now. Yeah. 38. And you primarily do IP work. Right. Yeah, we uh, we focus on trademark work, so kind of under the IP umbrella, um, but all trademark related work. So, you know, we've talked about how you guys work together. So and, and, and you talked about before you really separated business and in and, and your personal life. But from what I understand, Chris, Tina, you guys were friends before you, you started working together. So could you could you talk about how that came to pass, how you guys started working together? <laughs> well, we, I think, uh, I Make think sure Tina I was looking for here. advice, right? I mean, Tina was looking, okay, this, this firm is growing, things are going on, you know, how should we structure accounting? How, you know, how, and, and, uh, and that was kind of like the first part of our conversations, I think. And then, yeah, I mean, we were, we were at that, that growth stage where we had this really wonderful kind of homegrown super loyal accounting manager that had been with us for a long time. And 
we had just kind of outgrown that role and we were needing much more sophisticated, high level reporting and tracking. And um, I wanted to be very gentle about how we restructured things so that we continued to sort of honor that commitment that we had to that former accounting manager. I didn't know if I needed somebody full-time or part-time or, you know, sort of what was normal within accounting departments. So I asked Chris to meet me for lunch and was just going to run him through, you know, where we were at and what we were looking for and get him to try to help me figure out what we needed. Okay. I am not, I'm being completely left out of this story and I'm going to need some credit where credit is due because Tina did call (laughs) me first. Just, I want everybody write that down. Tina, take that note. Uh, She called me first and I said, you know, I was still a branch administrator at the time. And I said, I, I, I don't have all the details, but you really should call Chris. And she's like, yeah, I'll call Chris. And I said, you should ask Chris if he would be willing to come work with you. Oh, there's no way Chris would come work for me. I said, I don't know. He and I have had some conversations and I think he might be willing to do that. So let's just make sure that part of the story doesn't get left out. Well, Chris... Chris, you were you were really committed to your firm, and you'd been there for how many years? Uh, Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, it was a super super long, <laughs> super long tenure there. But yeah, I mean, I think we just started talking first and talking about like how a growth a growing firm needs to be set up, and I mean, I, maybe a couple of conversations later, it actually turned into the Would you be interested in this? And that's how it happened. So. so so this isn't on my list of questions, but you guys brought up an interesting topic. I talk to a lot of firms that have these big growth ambitions, especially in the smaller and getting into that mid-sized space. Um, I'd be interested. One thing Tina brought up was, you know, we had to move on from the person that had been doing our accounting and billing to somebody that somebody that could take us to that next level. Where, Tina, at what point did you guys make that decision? And what were some of the other things you had to change to help your, your team grow uh, to the firm, to the firm you guys are today? Wow. I think, um, I mean, so many things had to change. The, the firm was formed by uh, a couple of partners that had grown up with very big law firms. Their Mm -hmm. careers had been in very big law firms and they really love their families. They really love spending time with their families. Um, they have a healthy appreciation for money, but, but making some exorbitant salary was not the most important thing to them. It was the gift of time. So when they formed the firm, it was really to break away from that big firm, you know, model of being required to work over 2000 billable hours a year. And, you know, they just wanted to step away from that and still practice law. They love what they do, um, but to have a little bit better balance. And so that's what the firm was formed on. It, it has really grown organically. There has never been a desire for us to be a big, big firm. Um, and I wouldn't even say that we've had a particular plan in place to grow in a particular way or direction. Uh, most of the growth that we've had has just been, again, organic through relationships, prior relationships that our attorneys have had. Um, and it's, I mean, it's just grown tremendously more than I would have ever expected, especially in the last few years. I mean, even during COVID, 
I think we've had 12 hires since the office closed down for COVID in March right. of last year. So um, we just started seeing more growth and realizing that we needed better systems in place. I needed um, higher level support from the department heads. I needed to either work with existing employees to get them to that level, or I needed to find people at that level. Yeah, everybody loves to hear about organizational structure. So you talked about it just a bit. What does yours look like at this point? I serve as the executive director, which is just a title, right? I serve as the executive director. I kind of oversee the business part of the firm. I have Chris, who is my rock and my, I mean, I just, I could not have done what we've done in the last few years without him. That accounting piece and how it relates to capturing time, accurate billing, all of those things are so critical to the success of a law firm, right? Right. Um, And then we also have a a marketing manager. We have an IT manager, a facilities manager. And I work with all of those departments. We have a docketing department. And so what we've been able to do is as we've grown is, again, either promote people into positions where they have a little more autonomy and a little more responsibility and see them, you know, meet those goals um, or have hired a few folks from outside to come in and kind of take over some areas for us where we needed some expertise. So, you know, with you, with Tina, with you and Chris, where do your roles overlap? And Chris, you can answer this too. Where do you guys see your roles overlapping and how do you, how do you separate those out? Well, I mean, I think our roles don't really overlap. I mean, in terms of like staying in our lanes, maybe, um, Mm -hmm. You know, I will defer to Tina on pretty much any HR issue, any higher level firm issue. You know, I get my my information, I get my directives from her or through the management committee in our firm. But I think the key for us is probably, like I said, staying in our lanes. Uh, I handle pretty much all things finance, although the information may come from someone else it may come through tina as well and and i simply respond but uh that tends to kind of um allow us to do our jobs and handle our roles as we should in a firm well i just think that 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 has helped us along the way you know um keeping hr separate keeping the management of the firm separate uh you know i don't really get involved unless i'm asked or I have something else to contribute to the conversation. How do you to handle conflict? So you talked a lot about working well together. And I mean, you guys probably don't, you're both the nicest people I know, but how do you handle (laughs) when you do disagree? And, and, and also along with that, how do you keep your personal and professional relationships separate? How do you, you know, shut down one at the end of the day and start the other? For me, I mean, I think we sort of have this joke, or I do. I don't know if Chris thinks it's as funny as I do, but we. It's <laughs> hilarious. I already know it's hilarious. But I also use the word "we" a lot. My um, a lot of my staff always says, "When you say we, you really mean you want me to do something, right?" <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I'm so, so bad. I'm so bad. <laughs> we really need to clean the kitchen today. Can we clean out the refrigerator? Um, But I sort of have a joke that we're like mom and dad at the firm. We don't always feel the same way about things. We oftentimes will have 
sort of a very, there's a comfortable sort of tension or, um, I wouldn't even say a disagreement, but we're just coming at it from two completely different mindsets and perspectives. And I honestly have never had a relationship with someone where that worked so well in the workplace. But I think that comes out of a place of just, I mean, I trust Chris implicitly. He is a professional. He knows what he's doing. I trust his, um, his opinion, his thoughts on things. And I don't think that that relationship would be the same or that we'd be able to sort of maintain that professional and personal separation if that did not exist. I, I would agree with that. And I think that the, the key is that level of trust. And honestly, I don't think that this could be replica- replicated often. Uh, uh, or again, maybe, I mean, in my career, at least. So, you know, trusting, trusting someone that you work with so much that you can, first of all, express yourself, you know, everybody has frustrations and, and, and such in their work life. And if you have the ability to blow off some steam where it's a, it's not judged, you know, uh, which in, in a lot of organizations that I've worked for, you can never do that. And that helps a lot. And honestly, I think that that's what has helped in the first couple of years that I've been here. So as a follow-up question, you guys both talked about how it could not, it's hard to replicate that relationship. And Rob, you and I talked in our first episode about how being a legal administrator, a legal manager can be so lonely, mm-hmm. right? Because so many of these full firm, small firm administrators, they don't have a peer at work. They don't have somebody that, that is their safe zone because they either work for people or everybody works for them. And so this isn't as much a question as a comment that Tina, you and Chris should, and I hope you do really cherish how awesome it is to have that relationship that I think so many other people would pay or kill for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the role, you know, middle management. I mean, I I feel like firm management is sort of the, the epitome of when they refer to middle management roles, you know, you're not an owner of the organization, but you're sort of the primary champion and you're, 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 you're responsible for the success of the firm in a lot of ways. And, the happiness of the people that work in the firm. And so having to kind of balance that um, in-between role can be very isolating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing I just want to mention that that Chris has really taught me in the last couple of years, because again, this is a unique situation that neither one of us, I don't think, has really had before professionally. You know, I tend to I tend to always think that my ideas are the best. Or that because I have a good heart and good intentions, I just spit something all over the place. I'm sorry. Amanda's <laughs> relating to that statement. I relate. I relate to my core to that statement. I feel well. Like I think that's like kind of the nature of a lot of firm administrators, right? I mean, we're all sort of Type A, very driven. Don't do it for me. I'll get it done. Like you know, we just learning to um, accept that my reaction to something or my, um, my suggestion on how we handle it may not always be the best and really kind of taking me back to like, what is good for the business, not just the people, but also the health of the business, 
that's that's been really helpful to me professionally. And Tina, to your point, you almost have to you have to have that confidence in your role, right? Because you're having right. to make a lot of tough decisions. And and so although it's been maybe hard to kind of pull that back a little bit, I, I think it's a trait you have to have in order to help run a law firm. Yeah, I mean it's it's important to listen to other people. <laughs> And other people have really good ideas too. And learning to let go of some of that, and especially with just, not just with Chris, but all the other people that we've sort of moved into leadership roles in the firm that are running different departments, um, learning to let go of some of that and say, you know what, you're the docketing person. You're the person who has docketed your whole life. I'm not going to tell you the best way to do docketing for the firm. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just learning to, to trust people to run with it and they're going to be successful or they're not, but they have to have that opportunity. Just like I've been given that opportunity. Well, exactly. And and I think that that's what is key to our similar management styles in terms of, of like letting people take a full on, take full on responsibility for their jobs and letting them fail at some point, I think is just, critical to development of people because I, when I started in law firms many years ago, I had people coming at me every day with these, like what I, what I just considered to be very simple things, right? I was, I had come from outside of a law firm uh, in, in the, in the corporate world. And I realized very quickly that that if you keep coming to me with these questions, I can't get my real job done, whatever <laughs> real job was at the time, right? And uh, and so you, it's you always have to find this like right balance. So the, going back to the idea of allowing people to fail, and and fail means a lot because it's not it's not a critical failure. It is simply like, well, did you get pushed away? You can't ask the question now. Well, you just go ask that question again, or can I follow? follow up with you via email, or can I send you a Slack message or whatever, you know, how can we get this solved? Because I have a job to do, right? And so that's kind of how I teach my folks, uh, bring them along, not teach them, uh, bring them along in the law firm is like, you've got to be able to have connections with these folks. You've got to be able to have, build your own relationship with these folks, because they're the ones that are going to help you get your own job done. You know, you guys are talking about your management styles, and I think it, it also goes into the fact if you guys are going through so much growth, hopefully these people you're bringing on, you know, in your management styles, you're bringing them on not to tell them what to do, but for them to tell you how you can better the organization and help out. And and I think, you know, sometimes that's harder for people to do. Tina, you were alluding to having to kind of, you know, learn to, to listen a little more. Um, but when you can get to that point, you have so many great ideas that come to the firm. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. So, Chris, you were talking about some of the changes, you know, coming over to a law firm and, and just the whole culture change and responsibility change. Could you talk to that a little more? What were some of the, the pleasant surprises or maybe some more of the, the things that were just totally different? I think coming over to Perky Barber, the struggle uh, for me, I guess, in a little less sort of way, has been to keep up because I'm, I'm used to finance driving an organization. And a lot of people may not agree with that in, in law firms, especially, 
But in the corporate world, that is truly how that works. So when you come over to law firms, I really appreciate Perky Barber for what they what they are doing, uh, even behind the scenes before we have that financial discussion. The growth that this firm has experienced, even before I got here two and a half years ago, has been extraordinary. And I think a lot of firms would look at it and go, whoa, that's crazy. But when you start looking at the details of that, how these... Um, the folks that have joined our firm recently have these wonderful relationships that have already existed for years. They've either uh, known each other as colleagues in the same firm, or they have known each other as uh, trademark lawyers. So they have this level of respect for each other, which is truly incredible. And that's what, what I think has been comforting about our growth, right? Um, to where you don't really have to have this first uh, financial look at it. Uh, so very impressed with how that has worked over here. And I think a lot of law firms, the first question out of their mouth when they talk about bringing on an attorney is how are we going to fill them up? And I'm not saying we don't look at that stuff, but it's less of an issue. Why? Because these people know each other. They know how they work. They have clients that are consistent with each other uh, or similar. They have books of business that they bring over. All of those things are important in growth, especially when you bring over a lateral. So it's been an exciting two and a half years for me. So I have two stories. And Rob, do you have any other questions? Because I wanted to kind of wrap up some of this into two, two personal stories. Are you okay with me doing that? It's your show, Amanda. It's I'm just not my show. It. it is our show. Go Let's ahead. Me. No, that's great. <laughs> okay. So one of my favorite stories about Chris, and I was just thinking of this story and I mentioned it to him earlier. The Association of Legal Administrators puts on a lot of conferences every year. And one of the conferences they put on is called CLI, and it stands for Chapter Leadership Institute. And it is, unlike other conferences ALA does, designed solely to teach local chapter leaders how to run their chapter versus how teaching administrators how to run their law firm. And so Chris and I were, I want to say I was president or president-elect and you were maybe treasurer, which I think fits very nicely. And we were in the Austin chapter and we were sent to CLI. And CLI was held in Carefree, Arizona. And if you ever look up Carefree, Arizona, I don't really think there's anything in Carefree, Arizona, except for this one hotel and this really weird, oh my God, I'm going to die. There's really... <laughs> I'm sorry, driver. I know you're the bus driver. <laughs> that uh, That's a side story. I can't even tell that story. So one of the things that, uh, it was hot, right? Because this is July, July of 2009. And in Carefree, Arizona, it's 100 degrees at 9 p.m. And I don't care what they tell you about dry heat versus humid heat. Once you are at 100 degrees, that is flipping hot. Okay. And so everybody was getting up to go to dinner at the end of this day and they were all getting on these buses and they were going to shuttle down to this little shopping center. I think that had like a red lobster and an olive garden. And I looked at Chris and Chris looked at me and, and we don't eat olive garden on our worst days. 
no noctolith garden. But I said, Chris, I can't put clothes on. And he goes, I, I can't get dressed either. So we go to the pool and that's where all the families are at this little resort. And we're watching cars too. It was like this outdoor movie in the pool and we order food and drinks as it happens. And one of the funniest commercials on TV at the time was Jack in the Box sold these mini Buffalo Ranch chicken sandwiches. Okay. And they were all the rage and they don't sell them anymore. But Chris and I were so heat exhausted and I'm not going to blame anything other than the heat on our boobs. We came up with this entire dance to coincide with the cute little song that Jack and Box has created. And I cannot sing at all. So Chris, can you please sing the song really quickly? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Way to put him on the spot. If I knew uh, the song, if I knew the song, I would totally sing it for you guys. Oh my gosh. I I would try, but it will be just too embarrassing. But the the, the was just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Clearly has survived uh I, I, you know, not can't do the math in my head. It's survived a lot of years, uh, obviously. <laughs> Um, so it said something along the lines of mini <laughs> buffalo ranch chicken, chicken sandwich. sandwich. It was awesome. <laughs> and, but it stuck with us. That's 2009. And we can still do the dance moves and uh, sing this song. Well, I can still do dance moves. Apparently my memory is better than I had. It, it, years. it is. Uh, <laughs> I still think the bus driver is a better story, but I, 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 I know we can. <laughs> Well, the bus driver, that's a really short story because I get really bad motion sickness and we had to take this shuttle. And anytime Tina and Chris know this, that we are riding in a car together, I have to have the front seat. And even then, it's like not a given that I'm going to be okay. So we get into this huge, smelly bus that's like a shuttle bus. And the guy driving it probably hasn't bathed in a year and a half. And it's again, it's 110 at this point. And I get in there. There's no air conditioning in the shuttle. So I get into the front seat and I'm green from the second we pull out of this resort in the middle of nowhere in Carefree, Arizona. And they're all in the back cracking up laughing at my discomfort and I'm sure other things. And so Chris starts sending me text messages and I am dying because the, the, I can't let this bus driver know we're texting back and forth about it. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy had pop tarts in the middle console. That he did not have in the console. I think that would be an easier, like, Boil it down it was, to what he didn't have in the console. This was before Uber. So you just took what you could get as far as drivers were concerned. There was no standards, you know. Um, so Chris keeps sending me texts. Steal a Pop-Tart. Just take one bite. Just steal a Pop-Tart. And I know that doesn't sound funny, but I'm sitting there <laughs> trying not to throw up. With the smell of this guy and the smell of the car and the smell of Carefree Arizona. And all Chris cares about is how funny it would be if I stole this guy's pop <laughs> I don't care who you are. That is funny. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, but he, he might have also killed Amanda if she stole the pop -tart. So, you know, I, I'm not sure what happened there or what would have happened there. But I'm probably glad that A, you survived the trip. You know, you, <laughs> And you didn't embarrass yourself slash us by vomiting. 
Uh, and you, oh. you lived through it because you didn't steal the Pop-Tart. <laughs> that guy could have been burying former guests in the woods. I mean, or well, <laughs> desert at that point. And so that's my story about Chris. Now, my story about Tina is more of like a conglomerate of a whole bunch of stories wrapped into one experience. And one of the things I forgot to tell you about Tina is that Tina's vice is gambling. And Tina loves slot machines. She loves the blinking and the bonuses and she touches the screen and she wants it to play and ring and and make all the sounds and the bells. And she will jump from machine to machine faster than anything so that she can watch the next machine, you know, light up and blow up. And I love watching that about her, but it also makes me like, it's a level at which I am uncomfortable with. Like Chris and I can sit and play blackjack on $200 for five hours, but Tina will sit down. <laughs> I'm gonna maybe your maybe your husband should stop listening right at this point. Maybe the IRS should stop listening. <laughs> oh no, I file my tax reform I file my little tax certificates they give me at the casino every year. I'm I'm t- listen, Chris, you and I both attest to this. Gambling losses can be netted against gambling wins. This so is Tina, true. Tina doesn't have anything she needs to report. Okay, there's nothing. <laughs> Well, technically, you have to report it. Yes, I have to report it. And then I also have to record how much I've actually lost, which is exceptionally painful. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of strips the joy right out of the experience. Rob, you can, she can sit down in a machine and hit the max bet button. And I won't even do the math to how much the max bet is because they kind of hide it from you, right? And she will just... Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. And I don't even get to watch. <laughs> that would give me things. anxiety. It gives me so much anxiety because I, if when I do play slots, I want to hit the button and watch everything roll through, see if I won, <laughs> look at the screen, hit the button again. Tina's just like, hit, hit. And she'll turn and look at me and just have her finger on the button, hit, hit, hit. And then turn back around when all the like things blow up and everything. But Really, I guess the last time I saw you gambling, we went on a cruise. You and Chris and I cruised. (laughs) We went on what we like to call the floating Walmart. Tina coined that term to Mexico for a cruise. I heard all about that trip. Not from you, but from different people. No way. You supposed to be on that trip? (laughs) I was, but the the ABA Tech Show was at the same time. Oh right. So you decide. So Tina gets down to the casino and. We, we spent a lot of time there. The three of us, by the way, all shared one very small hotel uh, room on a cruise ship. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, imagine three people. Now, we did have a, a suite, and I put that in air quotes because it's not sweet, but we all shared it. So we would, But we would go down to the casino at night. Tina discovered that unlike in Las Vegas casinos, you can keep gambling even when you run out of money by just charging it back to your room. And (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. I mean, like from the machine, if you run out of cash, you can say, I want this next $500 to be a room charge and boom, you got $500 to gamble on, and they put it on your credit card. <laughs> I 
I mean, it's honestly the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was yeah. it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and even more brilliant when you walk back to your cabin and oh, there's yeah. an envelope waiting for you, uh, basically giving you your next week-long cruise. I think it was a 10-day cruise. Like, first of all, we got, like, free upgraded steak. Then we got free upgraded wine. Then we got cookies. Like, every time we'd go back to our room, there'd be another little treat there. And on the last day, there was a, please join us for an 11-day cruise anywhere, the floating Walmart cruises. And Tina, <laughs> the whole trip was like, I'm never cruising again. I'm never cruising again. I'm never cruising again. And sure as shit, did she not book another room and obviously didn't get to take it because of COVID, but she was ready. She's like, my son and I are going to go live the big life and you know, <laughs> <laughs> earn, the, earn your credit card points by gambling and charging it to your card. I was a little nervous on night one when the uh, casino manager came over to introduce himself to me personally. <laughs> um, and he already knew my name when he approached me at the machine, which was a little creepy. Um, but he just wanted to check on me and make sure I had everything I needed and I was comfortable and, you know, it was pretty cool. Didn't I guess I was doing some high rolling gambling for that cruise ship. I think that's what it was. <laughs> Didn't you also get a drink card or something? Like, yes, yeah, so on the first night I got free drinks for the rest of the cruise, which is ironic because I'm the one in our group that does not drink. You drink just not nearly as much. As no, I was, I was pretty much just ordering cocktails every time they came by and then just like passing them along, you know, just oh. sharing the love, sharing, handing them out. Love. Anybody want rum and Coke? Here you go. No. <laughs> okay. So for our last segment today, this has been a great episode. So thank you both Chris and Tina for joining us. We like to uh, give you the opportunity to pitch your passion. So, Tina, Chris, which one wants to start? Chris, do you want to go first? Or you yeah, want me to I go first? I'm going first because my, my, mine will be short and sweet. Okay. No. I mean, I, you know, I have always enjoyed being an accountant all my life. Uh, and I remember growing up as a kid and having a huge uh, steel desk in my room. And it was all set up like an office. And I loved <laughs> going. But for some reason... I never really realized until late that I wanted to be an accountant. So uh, that I love. That is like my my main focus today. But beyond that, I love to travel. I mean, that is truly my passion in life. And if I could find an accounting job that that was uh, that allowed me that level of travel, I probably would do it for the rest of my life. But you know, I think it's taught me so much. It's taught me to um, be open to different cultures and people. And I think that's so important today uh, more than anything. But yeah, I mean, that has been uh, a, a lifesaver for me. And and if I would ever get the chance uh, to travel with these two ladies for the rest of my life, that would be, I mean, we would have some fun. It would be, <laughs> would be a blast. So. True. <laughs> yeah. Tina, what about you? Well... It's hard for me to narrow down a single passion because I'm just super passionate about like a lot of that things. 100% true. My joke, I, my grandmother used to always say, you know, Tina, don't burn your candle at both ends. You're going to burn yourself out. And I would always say, Grandma, if I got a candle with a wick at both ends, I am burning them both. <laughs> <laughs> so I think probably when I think about personal passion, I'm just reflecting on kind of the last year. 
and um, what I'm sort of newly passionate about, I guess. I think we've all learned a lot about ourselves and about the world that we live in kind of in the last year of COVID. You know, we've witnessed so much like suffering and loss and division and political divide and all of the really sort of ugly parts of humanity that we just can't really conveniently tuck away in the closet anymore. It's sort of in our face. And as someone who's just a a natural empath, I think it's been really important for me to just um, learn to continue to love people despite uh, differences. That's been that's been really challenging. I think I used to think that um, everybody was just good at their core. And um, so it's been a lot of kind of growth and um, processing in the last year. But just learning to kind of slow down has been really nice, giving myself permission you know, to reflect, to dive deep, to read a book, to binge watch TV. I just got Netflix, which has changed my life. <laughs> oh, um, Repeat that. You just, know, it's, she's it's, just got Netflix. I just got Netflix. She, had she has had Hulu for a while, though. Let's give her that credit, okay? But, you know, normally I think I, I require a lot of energy from other people and that connection to other people to sort of feed my soul and give me, give me meaning and all of those things. And I think this last year I've had to really say the people that are in my most immediate circle are enough and they fill my soul and I can fill my own soul too. (laughs) (laughs) So I think just what we've, you know, despite all of the sort of tragedy of the last year, I think there's been these really just incredibly beautiful moments where we've said, you know, we just have each other to rely on this little tiny, small little network and learning that that's enough, you know, learning to just appreciate what we have instead of kind of the drive to always have more or do more or see more. I don't know. So I think my personal passion right now is just learning to um, just to be present and be content and realize how lucky I am with the things that I have and and that's been just a really beautiful gift, I think, from COVID. I just want to say, really thank you guys both so much for joining this. I know I probably pressured you into this and took a little advantage of our friendship for you to join this. And I know you both took me to a bar to try to convince me that you didn't want to do this. But I really appreciate you both coming on and sharing both your personal stories as well as some insight into the legal industry. And I just, I mean, I said it before, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you both. And I can't wait to where our next travels take us. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on themostlylegalpodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode.